You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. What should Donald Trump be doing to win in November? 
I mean, it's something we need to talk about, right? Obviously, he has his own campaign team. And full disclosure, I have been consistently very impressed with Donald Trump's campaign team. They seem to be on point. They seem to churn out ads quickly. They seem to know who they're speaking to and how to speak to them. I'm impressed by all that. Of course, you can nitpick this and that, and that is so easy to do. We could do that all day long. But overall, I'm impressed. But what should Trump be doing? What is the campaign strategy? It's simple. Donald Trump more than ever, maybe more than ever in the history of Republican politics, needs to make sure he is contrasting himself with the Democrats. You cannot be a little bit of Democrat in this election and expect to inspire your people to come out. We know Democrats hate Donald Trump enough to vote. We also know they don't really care about Joe Biden enough to go out and mob the polls for him, but they hate Donald Trump enough to vote. What you have right now in this country is a sea of Republicans, many even Trump-supporting Republicans, who are very, very, very uneasy or in some cases flat-out furious with what they've seen from Donald Trump over the last few months coming out being pro-lockdown before he was anti-lockdown. Remember, that was Donald Trump and his advisors who started that train. Coming out after this horrible killing in Minneapolis being, what, what blaming the cops? Pro-police reform? Bring in Van Jones? Even if you agree with these moves, it's not about that. What you do have to understand, to Donald Trump's base, that doesn't look like what they voted for at all. And now you have this situation we have now where people aren't apprehensive. People are flat out mortified at what they're seeing happening to American society. And you turn on the news every single day. You turn on the news and it's worse, right? It's getting worse. They're taking over all of it. Absolutely everything. And people are scared to death. Donald Trump. The next Republican president after this term, whether it be Donald Trump getting another one or somebody beating Joe Biden in 2024, the next Republican president, you heard it here now, is somebody who will vocally oppose Black Lives Matter by name. Somebody bold enough to define that disgusting group and oppose them by name. It must be done. People are scared, and when, they're, when you are scared, it is human nature. When you are scared, you will seek out protection. You will seek out someone you disagree with on a lot of things as long as they will protect you. That is the nature of mankind. If Donald Trump wants to storm his way into re-election, he had better create that contrast, and he better create it really, really quickly and boldly against Joe Biden. And people are scared for good reason. They're seeing everything around them, and they feel surrounded because they are surrounded. And what you're seeing is leftists who've worked for years to get themselves into this place of power finally using that power. You're scared. I'm apprehensive about the future of the country. Somebody better be a leader in this time, or we are going to have President Joe Biden. We are. The good news is this. As many missteps as I think he's made over the past few months, I feel like, and I have gotten this word from inside the White House, something snapped. Trump realized, man, I've blown it. It's time to reverse things. I think the speech he gave at Mount Rushmore was a good start to that.
As we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, but some know exactly what they are doing. They think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them. 100% the right tone. Donald Trump needs to stand up and continue that tone every single speech he gives from now into November, and he will storm through Joe Biden. If Donald Trump continues to listen to the voices inside of his White House that tell him, well, I mean, we just have to, I mean, the cops are kind of at fault. If he continues to listen to those voices, he is going to lose the presidency to Joe Biden. He is. And let's remember, before we move to the rest of this stuff, what is at stake here? Whether you like the Trump presidency or not, we are undoubtedly, over the next four years, looking at replacing three, four Supreme Court justices? Just look at their ages. Father Time's undefeated. We are. The next court will be remade. Either Donald Trump is going to remake it or Joe Biden is going to remake it. That is simply a fact. And you want to know what we're up against? Bill de Blasio is the perfect example of what we are up against. Big outdoor concerts, and it means things like parades. You know, things that here in the city can mean not just thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. It's just not time for that now. What about protests? If people want to march down Fifth Avenue, are they going to be allowed to do so? Look, Wolf, this is always an area of real sensitivity. If you're just talking about health, we would always say, hey, folks, you know, stay home if you can. But we understand at this moment in history, people are talking about the need for historic changes. I mean, today in New York City, you know, recognizing the power and the meaning of the message Black Lives Matter, which we did in front of Trump Tower today, uh, this is a historic moment of change. We have to respect that, but also say to people, the, the kinds of gatherings we're used to, the, the parades, the fairs, we just can't have that while we're focusing on health right now. Man, if that doesn't lay it out for everybody right there. No, you can't have parades and fairs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you dare open up your restaurant. Oh, oh, a Black Lives Matter mural? All right, everybody gather around. Let's, let's have a big old get-together. There it is. It's laid out. The contrast is, it better be made stark. Now, Bernie has come along with Joe Biden. Why do you think Bernie Sanders would come right along with Joe Biden? I think it's because Bernie Sanders knows Joe Biden is going to be yanked way further left than even Joe Biden ever was. And these folks, needless to say, people who represented the progressive movement had a different perspective on things 
extended Biden's people. But there was serious discussion, and I think a real honest in effort to come up with a compromise. And I think the compromise that uh, they came up with, if implemented, will make Biden the most progressive president uh, since FDR. Mm -hmm. It did not have, needless to say, everything that I wanted, didn't have everything that Biden wanted. That's the thing. The leadership of the Democrat Party right now, they're so old. And yes, I'm talking about physically to be as insulting as humanly possible. Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, these people are so old and feeble, they simply lack the strength anymore to fight off the leftist hordes who are now pushing their party further and further to the left. You saw Nancy Pelosi, and it's not as if I'm some kind of Nancy Pelosi fan, and I'm not going to play it for you here, but you saw Nancy Pelosi when they asked her about the statues coming down, the open destruction of American history. And Nancy Pelosi flat out said, oh, I don't care about that. Do you realize how radical of a position that is for the Speaker of the House of Representatives? It's not hyperbole to say at no other point in the history of the United States of America would either party, any party, have a Speaker of the House that refused to speak out against destroying the history of America. And now Nancy Pelosi is so weak, so held hostage by the absolute radicals in her base, she doesn't even have an option. She just have to, has to sit up there with, uh, 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 I don't really care. That's where we are. And you think Joe Biden has that kind of strength? Who's Joe Biden's chief of staff if he gets elected? Who's his national security advisor? Who are the people around him? Well, it's going to be a rehash of the people around Barack Obama who were absolutely radical and yanked this country way, way out of whack. You know it, and I know it. This November is critical. I really hate to say it because everyone says it every single election. So I'm not going to tell you this is the most important election ever. Everybody says that every single time. I'm just going to say it is really, really important. This country is tearing each other apart. We are going to choose a direction for the future. I know which direction I'm going. All of that may have made you uncomfortable but I'm right. And this should make you uncomfortable too. No matter who wins, Trump, Biden, no matter who wins, we are buried in debt. We have a four or five trillion dollar deficit this year alone. And did you know what they're talking about right now in DC may make next year's even worse? Again, Republican or Democrat. Nobody's even pretending to want to slow down this out of control spending. They're printing money like it's going out of style. They're holding interest rates artificially low. You do know how that story ends, right? That story only ends one way and has ever only ended one way. And that's you and I shoveling wheelbarrows full of money into the fireplace, lighting it on fire because that's what it's worth now. Find out about a precious metals IRA. Your 401k, your IRA does not have to be in risky stocks and bonds. You can legally move it to a precious metals IRA from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. That's birchgold.com slash jesse. Just go get some free information. That's all I'm asking. We'll be back.
Joining me now is David J. Harris Jr. He's the author of Why I Couldn't Stay Silent and host of the podcast, J David J. Harris Jr. David, why couldn't you stay silent? No, I couldn't stay silent because what I saw taking place is the same thing I see, I see taking place right now where the liberal mainstream media is hell-bent on painting a story about this president that's false. And I don't know about you, Jesse, but I hate... I loathe being lied to. When somebody's lying to my face, intentionally trying to deceive me, it uh, it upsets me, to put it mildly. So when I saw that taking place, everything that's taking place right now, when I saw the, the bent on the liberal mainstream media attacking our president, uh, and when I saw what I believe the president was doing to actually win over uh, not just the black community, but I think America's, our, our hearts, uh, based in based on what he wants to do and is doing for our country, you know, I, I had to write this book. I had to get it out from my perspective as a, as a Christian, as an American, and obviously as a part of the, the member of the black community. Uh, we don't hear a lot from individuals in the black community. You know, there's such a monolithic voting pattern for the Democrats, uh, and we're all blasted for coming out. So I refuse to stay silent, and uh, the book is opening up minds and hearts to truths that people don't get on their mainstream from their mainstream media and you can get it at my website davidharrisjr.com don't get it at amazon it's screw bezos david let me ask you <laughs> pattern patterns and trends don't change every night everybody knows that i'm not under the impression that 90% of black people are going to come out next election and vote for donald trump that's just not the way it works these things happen slowly over time it it, it went democrat slowly over time it'll come back slowly over time how much is it trending? What can Donald Trump look for if you're going to break the population down demographic-wise, which I kind of hate doing, but if you're going to do that, what kind of black support can he actually expect? You know, I think it's going to at least double. I think he got about 8% in 16. I know a study came out out of UCLA that said that younger, younger, the younger generation of black Americans under 40 years old, uh, they're waking up more so to the truths of what this president is doing and has, has actually done in his first three and a half years uh, for the black community that's had such positive impacts. You know, we don't hear from the mainstream media, the liberal media, about historic record funding for uh, HBCUs, historical black colleges and universities. Uh, Obama didn't do that. He had eight years to do anything to provide permanent funding. And Donald Trump came on the scene and gave more than Obama ever did and then did it again the next year and then signed it into law so that now it's a part of the budget. Um, we had record low historic black unemployment uh, in this country. And that, again, is due to the president's policies, his tax reform bill. We've got uh, opportunity zones that are going to be breaking uh, out in over 9,000 different communities around all 50 states, and it's going to massively it's going to massively inject uh, capital and invested capital into black communities uh, and help blacks in those communities actually build and rebuild their infrastructure. Uh, you look at prison reform. Obama didn't do that. Uh, the the president didn't get elected because of the black vote, but he said to all of us, "What do you have to lose?" And we've been losing underneath Democrat control for 60 years. So I think that um, because so many millennials and so many under 40 are getting most of their news from social media, that's where individuals like myself that champion what this president's doing, that give an alternative message, the true message actually, to what they're hearing from the mainstream media, uh, we're seeing a massive shift take place in, uh, in that demographic from 16 to 40. So I think that we're going to see at least double, if not 20, I'd love to see 20%, but I think we're going to see at least 16 to 18% uh, coming out in favor of this president this year. 
You mentioned Obama. Why didn't Barack Obama do more? Because this is not the first time I've heard this from somebody about how Barack Obama didn't do crap for the black community. Why, in your opinion? And I realize I'm asking you to examine the heart of somebody you don't, probably don't personally know. Why didn't he do more? Why didn't he do prison reform? There surely would have been an appetite for it. Well, I don't think I have to know the person personally in order to be able to know their heart or their agenda. Uh, I believe that his agenda was fundamentally transforming the foundation of this country. He said that. And uh, I don't think that that involved helping or benefiting the black community. I don't think that was a part of his agenda. His agenda was on just decimating our military, uh, literally gutting our military. I believe it was trying to bring the America, the, the United States down to a third world country uh, and, uh, and level the playing field for all of the other countries in the world. And, and I think that that was his agenda. He was doing it. So whatever whatever he was doing, he was not making it a priority to do anything about the black community. He left Chicago alone. Chicago stayed, uh, you know, ridden with gun violence, crimes, murders, black on black crime. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything for any of the Democrat controlled, mostly black uh, communities around the country. Uh, what he did do was, uh, you know, he pandered to the LGBTQ XYZ community. He he lit up the uh, the White House in you know rainbow colors. He. He pandered to what I, I what, what I believe it, we're currently seeing explode all over this country right now, which which is a, uh, a a disconnect between what it means to be American, to be an American, why we should all understand that we are all privileged to live in this country. Uh, there's no black privilege. There's no white privilege. There's no brown privilege. We're all privileged to live in this great country. And he was along the lines of dividing because once they divide us, uh, then they can conquer. And I believe the ultimate goal of their conquering us is to bring in socialism where they totally do rule everything uh, and all of all of uh, all of what we have as a society. How much how popular, in your opinion, is because I realize you can only speak for yourself. How popular in the black community is the Black Lives Matter movement? I realize and this this is why I ask the question. Of course, every corporation has to put it out there. It's on everybody's shoes, on everybody's ads. It's on everybody's social media account. Black Lives Matter this, Black Lives Matter that. But I never take that to mean that actually means it has popularity within any given community. I always assume I'm being lied to, and I always assume the media is lying specifically about things that will benefit them. Is this a popular movement? Because it's not an equal rights movement. It's a Marxist movement. Everybody knows that by now. At least I hope everybody does. How popular is it? Well, again, I can't speak for the majority of the black community, but what I can tell you is that I know individuals in the black community, I'm hearing a theme, they're waking up. You know, initially, after the death of George Floyd, we can't forget, that's what sparked this. Uh, and then it was a coordinated attack. I mean, there's there are organizations that have been at work for the last couple of years in our country that have been that facilitating and fostering growth in young people, in millennials, uh, that are all anti-capitalism, anti-United States, that we're the big bad threat in the world and we need to be brought down. And they look for ways to instigate and to escalate situations. And they came out in full force after the death of George Floyd, which, mind you, never was proven had anything to do with race. It was one cop that was power hungry, that had a history of excessive force that shouldn't have been on the force. Uh, and George just happened to be the black guy that got caught in the middle. So... Uh, it, it's it's unfortunate that so many people initially did jump on this whole race race baiting uh, issue, looking like uh, you know oh there's white cops just out to kill black guys. Uh, but I and I think a lot of people, black, white, brown, all got sucked into that narrative, the lie that it had anything to do with color. Uh, and that color is still an issue in this country. But I believe right now a lot more people are waking up. We're starting to see it from some prominent individuals 
that are exposing the true heart of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is Marxist. It's anti-American. And uh, that's making people wake up and walk away and say, you know what, I'm going to distance myself from that instead of getting sucked into it. As far as the CEOs of all these companies that are doing it, they're just pandering. You know, they're, they're just trying to pander and do what they can. And, and most of them are driven by left-leaning ideologies anyway. So if they think that it's going to hurt the president or help their movement, uh, which most donations to Black Lives Matter do help the liberal movement, then they're going to they're going to go for it. David, you could probably speak to this a lot better than I can with your background. But given everything we've seen in the past five weeks, I'm worried we're seeing a massive regression in race relations in the country on both both sides. I feel like there's going to be tension between the skin colors that never existed before and now it's going to exist. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong at all, Jesse. And it's a pretty sad thing to, to acknowledge and to uh, understand has taken place. Because, you know, I see videos all the time of, of white people that are being beat up for no reason, uh, being ganged up on by black people. It's like, why are people afraid of somebody uh, based on their skin color? Because they see a whole lot of people in that skin color acting riotous, you know, acting crazy. Uh, I, I personally had a, 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 an experience where I met a gentleman that uh, was a friend of mine's uncle. And I stayed with my friend. This is back when I was in high school. And he didn't say a word to me the whole weekend. Uh, and then later, my friend told me, he said, you know, my uncle, he actually used to be racist. And so he didn't really want to talk to you, but he watched you and he saw how cordial you were. He saw how polite you were. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to change my tune. What happened was he'd gotten jumped by a group of black guys in college. And he just said, he just wrote, up, wrote, up, wrote us all off. He said, they're all crazy. So the unfortunate thing is now there's a whole lot of black people out there that are acting crazy for no reason. And there's a whole lot of white people that are saying, if that's how they are, uh, I don't want to have anything to do with them. So hopefully individuals like myself can be a voice to say, hey, they don't, they don't reflect all of us. We don't all uh, operate from a mindless uh, perspective to just create chaos. Uh, I'm on everybody's side that's on the side of hope, on the side of truth, on the side of faith, and on the side of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, and, and patriots come in all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, creeds. And that is what I believe is going to unite us moving forward. And they wear all black sometimes. David <laughs> Harris Jr., thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Absolutely, Jesse. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Be good, man. All right. You have to understand criminals out there, they aren't just holding a gun in a bank with a mask on. Criminals exist online now, and it took me a long time to wrap my mind around this because, look, I'm getting older. There wasn't a cyber crime when I was a kid. Now, these guys, they never leave mom's basement, and they are ripping people off for a ton of money. Home title lock theft, that's the big boy out there right now. That's the one the FBI is worried about. It's not identity theft or credit card theft. This home title theft thing is sweeping the nation because it's so easy for them. Unless you have home title lock, it takes them 10 minutes to get a hold of your home, home title online, get your signature on it, and then they go take out a loan against it, you get the bill. The first time you even find out about it is when you get a late notice in the mail. Just go get HomeTitleLock.com. Please protect yourself. Don't get wiped out by some scumbag stealing your home title. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code JESSE. Get you 30 free days. We'll be back.
Joining me now is Senior Policy Analyst with the Independent Women's Forum, Inez Stepman. Inez, Joe Biden, before we get to the current Joe Biden and the poll left of the Democrat Party and all that other stuff, can you give us a little background on who Joe Biden has been? Pre-Obama, what was Joe Biden? Was he a hardcore anti-gun guy, a moderate Democrat, a foreign policy hawk? What has he been? I mean, it's hard to say because he's been on both sides of a lot of issues over the years. Um, but but I, I would I would characterize him as, as sort of an establishment Democrat. Um, and as the establishment of the party has gotten less and less moderate, so has Joe Biden. Right. So um, he I mean, for example, he, he did take the lead on the 1994 crime bill that it's very fashionable to hate on these days. Um, the, these are, are sort of uh, positions that were very firmly in the Democratic establishment in, say, in 1994, um, but are no longer today. And, and I, I think he will follow wherever the center of gravity of the party is, which uh, today, I think, is is with the rioters, with people pulling down statues of George Washington. I, I think that's where the center of gravity in the party is, and Joe Biden will follow. Not that I expect politicians to actually have personal convictions they care about because they're pretty much all soulless monsters. But do you think deep down inside Joe Biden really wants to see statues taken down? Or do you think at this point he's so old and weak and feeble, he's just going along with whatever's going to get him screamed at the least? Um, no, I, I, if I had to guess, I mean, obviously we don't know what's in Joe Biden's heart. But uh, if I had to guess, no, I, I don't. I don't think that he... Uh, there's probably a little part of him inside that's horrified seeing statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson get toppled. Um, but I, again, I, I think he knows where the gravity of the party is. Um, and, and he's even saying it himself. He sees himself as a transitionary figure, right, um, between the Democratic Party that he was um, you know, a part of for so many years and the Democratic Party that we're seeing develop right now on the streets. And, and I think that's actually a very fairly accurate way of thinking about Joe Biden, except that I don't think that, um, for example, a Joe Biden presidency is going to calm things down. I think that a Joe Biden presidency will give um, this this far left movement a, a seat um, in the White House that is probably going to be more vigorous in pushing Joe Biden to the left than, than any of his own personal convictions are going to be pulling him to the center. Do we know, and I don't know if anyone knows the answer to this question, do we know who would somebody, who, who's behind Joe Biden? What people or, or, or person is standing behind Joe Biden helping guide him along? And I ask this because I think we can all safely assume he's going to need <clears throat> some help if he does get elected to the White House. Who is this person? I don't, I don't think it's a single person. I, I, I think that he is just the moderate face, the familiar face on a very, very different party. And I, I think the um, you know instruments of that party are going to be running a Joe Biden administration if he gets elected. So I, I, I would seriously be shocked if a Joe Biden administration was at all moderate. Um, I, I suspect that the, the folks that, for example, that he's already said he's, he's open to appointing as vice president or cabinet members, um, they, they will all be very extreme on the far left. Um, and and I, I don't think, I just, there is this sort of exhaustion, right, around, around Joe Biden. And it's not just because he's he's old. Um, it's because the, the line of thinking that produced the Democratic Party, that he still thinks he's, 
he's in. You know, sometimes he, he on some speeches you wonder um, who he thinks he's speaking to. Um, I, that that Democratic Party, the the remnants of that establishment are are just about exhausted. And, and Joe Biden is the last one. Um, so, I, I mean, think about it this way. Is there any chance the next Democratic nominee is going to be anything like Joe Biden? And to me, the, it's a no-brainer. The answer is no. Well, let me push back on you on that, though. I would have said that this time. I, I mean, I saw that field of lunatics they had this time, and I absolutely thought Joe Biden was out. I mean, he got in, he was way ahead, and all he did was lose ground the whole time until everybody got out and kissed Joe Biden's feet. So are you and I, because I make this mistake too, are we making believe that the Democrat Party is actually further left than they are? I would have said this time that guy had no chance. Uh, so I agree with you. At, at the time, I thought that Joe Biden was done, especially after the first couple primaries where he he performed very poorly. Um, I, I think, you know, unlike in the in the Republican case, um, essentially the establishment was able to eke out enough victories. And he did have a strong support base um, among African-Americans in the South, particularly uh, who, who are, are um, who, who linked him with the Obama administration and were happy with the Obama administration. Um, and, and so I think that's how he managed to eke out that that primary win. Um, but but I mean, if you look at to, to shore up our argument about where the center of the, the Democratic Party actually is, I mean, look at some of the polls that are coming out, right? 55% of Democrats support defunding the police, right? That That's a position that until literally five seconds ago, nobody held in public life. So 55% of Democrats support defunding the police. If you, there's some particularly scary polling um, that has come out about the percentage of people who consider themselves either liberal or very liberal, who, for example, want Mount Rushmore to be destroyed, right? Um, these are extremely radical positions, and they are garnering something like, you know, 40, 50, 60% of Democratic Party voters. So that tells me that the base of the party is very far left. I actually think... The story is not going to be how far left um, the, the Democratic Party base has moved, but in which direction left. So I think the, the fight in the base will be between the Bernie Sanders hardcore socialists um, who are, are all obsessed with class and class division, um, and then the, the woke racialists um, who are, are obsessed with differences on the basis of race. Um, and, and I think eventually they'll have a, a very happy for them and not for the rest of us marriage together and people like AOC who are both socialist and, uh, and super, super woke on racial issues. Are we that sure that they're going to get together? And here's the only reason I, I, I asked that question is let's say we have this group of really, really miserable people who hate themselves and hate the country and they hate the class thing. Then we have another group of people who hate themselves and hate the country and they hate the race thing. Those two groups of miserable people don't necessarily sound to me like people who are going to find each other and just be a match made in heaven. Miserable people are always miserable, are they not? Um, I, I, I think that they will eventually, these two strands. And this is a debate I've heard both on the right and then um, on the left uh, with figures like like Crystal Ball, for example. Um, a lot of Bernie, Bernie supporters um, that, that listen to her show. And, and I... I they they think that essentially the Democratic Party is shooting itself in the electoral foot by moving away from class issues and towards a lot of this super woke stuff. But 
Um, I eventually, I, 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 that's my prediction. It's been my prediction for years. I do, I do think they're going to eventually intertwine into a single strand of the left, right? Um, they're just going to add class to the long list of, of protections. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know. I, I look at, look at how um, AOC became a voice in the Democratic Party, even if she she couldn't, you know, pass legislation, but you know, all of, all of um, you know, voters and and media outlets were all asking for her opinion, a uh, backbencher, you know, Congresswoman, um, on on literally all of the issues of the day, and that's I think because she in, she does represent this intertwining of the two, right? She had the Green New Deal, which is a socialist, you know, ad, quote unquote advancement um, for America. But it's all also closed in in this, this sort of um, SJW style um, intersectionality language, um, and each each uh, advancement of capitalism or or um, tax cut, it, she always is careful to frame it as a attack on on people of color, right? So I I do think these two things can be married together, and in fact, my my husband Jarrett um, had the unenviable, uh, just about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, the unenviable uh, job of going to go cover the Democratic Socialist uh, Alliance Conference uh, last year, which of course they held over 4th of July weekend because they hate the 4th of July. And that's exactly my my point. Um, they, the entire conference was all about racial issues, about intersectionality, about quote unquote, what is now called anti-racism. Um, and, and only a couple panels were actually even about socialist economics right so um I, I do think that these two things are are there there's some they're they're tussling with each other now but i think eventually the, they will run on the same track and as stepman thank you so much please go back to the rest of your day you too all right we are going to come back but first you have to hear this you don't have to stay awake, tossing and turning every night. You know that, right? I understand you're stressed. I understand it was a long day. I understand you got a long day tomorrow. I get all that. But you know there's a solution that doesn't involve sleeping pills or putting in some stupid mouth guard. You can get an ebb sleep. And ebb sleep is so confident their product works. Again, it's a wearable product. They're so confident it works. They offer it to you risk-free for 60 days. It's two months. Two months, that's real confidence. And I'm here to tell you it works. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse, get 25 bucks off. We'll be back. Joining me now, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Drew, you're still alive. You got the sniffles recently, huh? Yeah, a little, little something called the COVID-19 sniffles. Um, yeah, but I'm still alive, hanging in there. I took the show off this week, uh, so my producer didn't get it, but, but still alive and kicking. Okay, now tell us, what was the worst part about coronavirus? I'm dying to know so I can laugh at you. So, so it's it's what you've probably heard, um, at least for some, that you do lose your taste and smell, which is absolutely the most weird thing I've ever experienced. It's awful. Uh, I'm sure there's some times where it's probably a good thing, but for the most part, it's bad. 
uh, and that was weird. And still, that's actually still gone. So I, I'm praying that that comes back because otherwise I'm going to be a, a not very happy camper. Well, I got to be honest. I guess it all depends on how well your wife cooks. That could be a good or a bad thing. But let us move on to something else here in the country. Drew, I have said, I said it at the beginning of this show tonight, that the next Republican president, whether that be Donald Trump's second term or someone in 2024, Lord willing, is going to be somebody who will vocally oppose Black Lives Matter by name. Do you agree? I think they're going to have to, um, or, or or we're never getting back into office again. Someone is going to have to to stand up and and oppose it and oppose the organization um, because you know it's it's really disappointing. I was talking about this with someone yesterday. It's really disappointing to see how weak the Republican Party has been with this. Yeah, there's people out on Twitter. There's a couple people here and there uh, in you know on the Hill who are standing up to this, but for the most part, they're very faintly just saying, this is this is not okay, but then they're getting trampled all over. So someone's gonna have to stand up and oppose that, or or literally, I think we're, we're, we're just gonna get walked over and be done. Drew, I feel like I've, my emails have been blowing up about people saying we're surrounded. I feel like, I feel like, I feel completely hopeless right now. I mean, some really despondent emails. I feel all alone. And the only encouragement I've been able to give people, because we are surrounded, is that momentum can change with one or two bold leaders. Aside from Trump, is there an up-and-comer in the GOP you see who could be that guy, a senator, a governor somewhere, who could be the bold voice willing to do it? Because whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, someone's going to follow a bold person. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our, our guy Chad says he's running down in, uh, in Texas. But, I, yeah. you know, I... <sighs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't feel like there's someone that strong coming up. I think there's there's maybe some interesting folks coming up, but there's there's certainly not that next Trump type character who's going to just stand up and say things that shock everyone. Like, did he just say that? Um, you you can't. You know. So uh, I I don't feel like there is someone. I, now, granted, I, I I'm hoping that there in, in fact is. I just am not aware of who that person is. Uh, and 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 I don't see that level of of character and leadership that's willing to go against the mob and stand up in front. Sure, you and I've talked about DeSantis or some other people who are interesting, but I don't know that anyone has the sizzle that that Trump does. Well, I have a lot of sizzle, Drew. I just don't have any character. Could I run? Yeah, I mean, I've told you before. I think you should. How could you vote against you? And I know that you'll say exactly what you're thinking, which is what America needs. <laughs> Jesse, 2020, <laughs> there's, 2024. There's no question about that. <laughs> All right. Conditions on the ground in Florida. This is kind of an inside baseball thing, but I heard something yesterday. We know the GOP convention is going to be there. It's going to be there in August. People are talking about potentially moving it to an outdoor stadium in Florida in August, which absolutely made my jaw drop open. Am I crazy, though, Drew? Is this a good idea somehow? It's a horrible idea. It's you know we've seen, and I'm right here in Jacksonville where it's going to happen. We've seen people starting to kowtow a little bit, and yes, there's been spikes, but of course there's spikes because there's more testing. We we you know we're, we're all aware of how that works. So Jacksonville is pretty bold. Jacksonville is a red city, uh, but but there has been some caving um, on all that stuff. There's been you know even the Jaguars today, who no one goes to their games anyways, but they're they're going to reduce um, the amount of fans that are allowed in there. So you're seeing it across the board cool. here in Jacksonville. It's just kind of happening, but. I, that, that was the first thing I saw when I read that this morning is that it might go outside and that they were going to bring in some some state-of-the-art fans and cooling systems. Folks, in Jacksonville, Florida, <laughs> in August, 
it is not only going to be in the 90s, if not 100, but it's going to have 100% humidity. So uh, here's the oh. good news is I know that the the mouth-breathing Antifa folks, it's going to be too hot for them. Like, they they will melt. Like, it's, it's not... It's not the kind of environment you want to come protest in. But for, for the folks who actually want to be there, at the, I, there's no way on earth I'm going to that, even if I'm invited and given, like, the most exclusive seat, because it, that is going to be awful. Oh, and the amount of sweating. Can you imagine how it would sw- how it would smell? I wouldn't go to that unless I got coronavirus, because then I wouldn't be able to smell <laughs> anything. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, you're going to have, you know, Trump giving his speech, everyone else who's introducing him, giving their speeches, literally pouring down. Like, they're going to have to wear three undershirts. I'm not a big fan of undergarments, but they're going to have to wear three undershirts just to have it not be like a wet T-shirt contest up there on the stage. Well, I mean, let's slow down. It's This is America. All right. The sports world, Drew, I have been railing against the sports world, not because I give a crap about NASCAR or the NBA. I really don't watch many sports. I don't even hardly watch the NFL anymore. They turn me off like everyone else. But I do think it is important when it comes to sports because they're an outlet for people. I think sports going left, doing all the social justice warrior stuff actually matters a lot for our culture. Am I crazy? No, it, it, it does, because it, it, to your point, it is, it's traditionally, it has changed obviously since the last several years and, and particularly this year, but it has always been that outlet of where people can get away, whether you're left, right, the two people in the center, I can go and turn on this game and just check out for a few hours, um, or if it's Saturday or Sunday, hopefully you're checking out for like 10 to 12 hours, because that's what you do on the weekends, but but they have. They've capitulated so much. It's so disappointing to see. And it's so disappointing to see, again, for something that's got such a... Look, I've got it. I've got it right now. Like, things are, are working out pretty well. Um, I, would I have loved to not have it? Sure. But, like, these college athletes and pro athletes, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And seeing these commissioners cave like that and change... And, and, we've, and, and literally, I mean, when you saw NASCAR, you know, for Pete's sakes, in the last several weeks, go back on the flag and, and, and all of this and, and kneeling... Everything is changing before eyes, and, and it is. They're 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 taking away the, the few outlets that we have because Seinfeld's not here anymore. <laughs> all right. Greatest five TV sitcoms of all time. Go. Sitcoms, we're talking comedy here. Comedies alone. Oh, okay. So um, spy ones? No, hmm. comedies, man. Oh, top comedies. I thought you said spy comedy. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, gosh, that really is niche. Um, <laughs> I, you've you've got to have Seinfeld up there. I think that uh, Parks and Rec is very underrated by many, um, okay. and I, I take, I take uh, offense with that. So I think those are up there. I think Friends was good. I think that uh, New Girl wow. was pretty funny. What in the... Are, I'm this, just telling are you, you there, are some, there are some funny parts in that. It's nothing as Seinfeld, though. So if that makes you happy, Jesse Kelly. New, you just put New Girl and Friends on the same list as Seinfeld. You know what? I'm going to go now. Drew, <laughs> have a good one. See you, buddy. See you. Thanks for having me. We got an election coming up. And I understand many of you are angry about, at Donald Trump about some decisions he's made. I don't blame you at all. I'm angry, as I've told you on the show. We don't have the luxury of having a protest vote, of sitting out an election, of just, well, I'm mad at him, I'll, I'll, we'll work on it next time. We cannot have that old fool take over as president of the United States of America. On top of the fact he can't physically and mentally hold up to the job, 
people, the direction this country would go with the position of power the left is already in, it'd be ugly out there. Get your Trump bumper stickers, call your local precinct, figure out what you can do to win the next election. All right, we're going to do it again. See ya. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.